Hello and welcome to the Guernsey Press Football Podcast. This episode is sponsored by Rehoy and Son, big supporters of local sport. Our thanks to them. Uh, coming up, we'll pick the bones out of Saturday's Marathi defeat. What went wrong on the day and what does it mean for Guernsey football after this season's red wash? Uh, the women's Marathi is also staying in Jersey, but Richard Sutton's Sarnian squad can hold their heads high after holding their rivals in a first half in which they lost their keeper to injury. Full reaction to Sunday's game on the way as well. Uh, we'll also reflect on the staging of the biggest matches in CI football as the late arrival of Guernsey supporters causes a delay to kick off. Could they have got an earlier boat? Did they have to stop for a Big Mac on the way to Springfield? And is the spectator experience there solved? I'm Tony Kerr and with me to uh, try to answer all of those questions is James Faller. Hi Tony. And on the line, a former Island manager who watched online at the weekend, Kevin Graham. Kev, great to have you on the pod. Hi Tony, thanks for having me. Before we get your thoughts, let's just hear from the two managers on Saturday. Jersey's Martin Cassidy and first, Tony Vance. I don't think anyone could have denied that probably we were three goals better than them. Um, we had numerous chances and we didn't take them and, and uh, we switched off for their, their one chance in the second half and uh, you know they've nicked a result. But I think I've said this before, you can, you can play... You know, outstandingly well. You can be the, the, the better team on the day, but it says jersey on the um, on the trophy, and that's what happened today. But yeah, I, I'm I'm really proud of the players. They, um, you know, we played some really good football, and uh, jersey couldn't touch us. But um, uh, they were predictable. But at the end of the day, fair play to them. They've they've won the game, and uh, and that's you know, no one can deny them that. Yeah. It, it, it's a cool game at times, and uh, but you know, we can all be proud of ourselves. I'm not proud of the result. You know, obviously we're going to have to listen to Jersey sort of win again. And, and uh, But um, I think, you know, the best thing is, is we've, we've shown that we can play football. And uh, as I say, we've got to take a lot of heart from that. But, um, you know, the players will be really disappointed because that was one that got away. What you can do is you can show the dominance of the game because I think everyone was, was outstanding. You know, I mean, like seven, eight out of ten. You know, um, I can't see that they had many. Um, but uh, as I said, uh, you know, I'm, at no point am I standing here, you know, being uh, feeling sorry for ourselves. No point am I, um, you know, am I going to sound like bitterness? They've won, you know, and that's what it's all about. Uh, and as I said, for me, I'm, I'm, I'm very proud of the way we played, and and um, we've got some really exciting footballers. And and what we did today was try and set up to to show that we can play, and uh, you know, really sort of have a go at Jersey, and we did that. The, the, the final bit that was missing was the finishing. Congratulations, how are you feeling? Yeah, really good. Uh, proud of the result. I think uh, it was a tough, tough game. Guernsey were good today in midfield in particular. They had a lot of good chances. Um, more, more from us giving the ball away than getting totally cut open. But um, yeah, I'm really, I, I thought it was a great game for us to win because Guernsey have showed today they've, they've moved up a level, they're better footballers, they play more football. And, they're good at it, they're good at it, and um, unfortunately we were working on some gaps that we hoped it would come, and we got one and managed to nick that goal. So, And uh, we knew that Guernsey are going to create, and if we concede, but Ewan's one of the best keepers at this level, without a doubt, and he's proved it again today. He's always been brilliant for me in, uh, in all the games he's played. He's an interesting character, but he's a match winner, and he's proved today he's a top keeper. To win a game again, three in a row, I'm just over the moon with it. Everyone expects you to lose or not win, and um, 
It's brilliant to put yeah. Ramney words down people's throat. Jim, let me come to you first because you were at Springfield on Saturday. Um, for those who weren't able to get there or even watch the stream, um, just take us through the story of the match and, and what it felt like in Springfield. Well, uh, I wrote my report on the final whistle, basically, after I'd spoken to the managers, uh, and it was 800 words of a list of Guernsey chances with one jersey goal in the middle of it, and that's what the game uh, felt like from, from the stand. Uh, you know, so kind of yeah, disappointing, in what, uh, clearly disappointing, but also, you know, I had you know, made a song and dance before the game about wanting to see some goals and, and see some entertainment rather than some of the sterile games we've had in recent years. Uh, and it certainly wasn't sterile. I mean, OK, we didn't get the goals, but I thought we played really well. And, you know, so it's a, a kind of frustration and pride in that, you know, you put in a good performance, but still you don't win. And, you know, that is uh, annoying. But, you know, I thought that we really gave it a go. I won't ask you what Guernsey's XG was on Saturday, but I mean, how good were those chances? What were the ones that stood out? Um, there's, well, there's, there's two chances and, you know, particularly the early one would have absolutely changed the game. You know, third minute, Charlton Govine uh, down on the left wing, gets to the byline, just hangs a lovely little cross into the edge of the six yard box. We've got three guys there. Um, Danny Hale comes in late, you know, right in front of the you know, penalty spot kind of, um, uh, area right in the middle of the goal, uh, and, you know, and heads home surely, but it's, you know, kind of directed a little bit at um, at Ewan van der Vliet, who dived to his left and, and pushed it away. And I'm, I kind of think Danny must feel he should score, but when you look at it, he did come in late. I mean, if it had been, there's two guys kind of hanging on the edge of the, of the six-yard box. If one of them had got it, they would have probably been able to position the header like back across the keeper or into the far corner. The fact that Danny's just coming onto it, you know, and, and heads it. He almost heads it straight at the keeper. That was, that was frustrating. Hey, if you go 1-0 up in the third minute of the game, that is going to really change the dynamics of a Moratio. And when was the last time we had an early goal? When we won in, in 2017. So that was, that was the chance. Then 35 minutes, Charlton plays. Ross Allen in behind the jersey back line. Ross is, you know, is one-on-one. Van der Vliet comes out to the edge of the box uh, you know, and everybody's just expecting Ross to put it away. It is on his left foot, and you kind of felt he hesitated a sec, almost to get um, Van der Vliet to, you know, to, to go down, and then he was going to finish. But he stood strong, and, and, and the shot hit him in the chest. Uh, so, you know, and those were the two. Those were the two glorious chances. Yeah, agonising for Guernsey there. Of course, I haven't actually said the score yet. It finished 1-0 to Jersey. Lorne Bickley um, with the only goal of the game for them sort of midway through the second half. Um, it means Jersey have now won five of the last six uh, Marathi Vars finals. Kev, as I say before, you were watching on the stream. Um, what did you make of how things played out? Uh, I think the fact that in, in my book, Ewan van der Vliet was man of the match um, speaks volumes if you compare what the two goalkeepers had to do. Uh, over the course of the, the 90 plus minutes um, that kind of tells the story of the game in some respects I thought we were very good for 70 minutes um, played some really good football I think I think Tony picked a team that had a number of attacking players in it and attacking threats and um, yeah we, we we were the better side um, Jersey were very functional um, but uh, in the end I think it's you know the goal changed the game and I think James makes a good point about the, the, the chance that Danny missed in the first few minutes um, because that would have put a completely different complexion on the game. Um, but the longer the game goes, um, you have to give Jersey some credit for being resolute in, in the way that they defended and the way that they managed the danger areas on the pitch. 
And um, and then when they did score, uh, I think they they closed the game out really well. And um, and we probably struggled to deal with um, you know the pressure of having to get back into the game. And I think the the good things that we did in the first seventy minutes, um, we were unable to to replicate in that last. Well, it was it should have been twenty twenty five minutes. It ended up being thirty or thirty five minutes. But um, it was it was very frustrating to watch that last thirty minutes as a Guernsey fan. Um, and uh, yeah, it's not, it's never an, a nice experience picking the bones out of a Marathi where we get beat. Yeah, absolutely. I, I probably shouldn't have spent as much time on Twitter over the weekend as I did. Uh, there were some fairly rubbish opinions being spouted, um, but perhaps unfairly. Guernsey's manager accused of ungraciousness at full time saying that Guernsey should have won but that might have been based on a 10 second clip in, in Channel's um, report that they put on Twitter but just to give Jersey some credit there you mentioned you and Van Der Fleet. for Guernsey we've only scored in one of the last five Marathi Vars finals now two goals obviously in that win in 2017 other than that four clean sheets I mean that little um, trio of players at the back that Jersey have had in that time you and Van Der Fleet in goal and Luke Campbell and James Kerry at centre back I mean where do they rate in kind of all-time Marathi, you know, defensive spines, if you like, because they just seem so hard to get through. Yeah, I think I think Ewan Van der Vliet is is the best goalkeeper I've ever seen play for Jersey in, in Marathi football, and that's going back to the early eighties. Steve Carlyne was obviously an outstanding goalkeeper for them, and and, and until Van der Vliet came on the scene, I, th- I think most people would agree it was him. Um, but his presence, um, you know, the save that he made from Ross one on one. Um, was obviously a really, really critical moment. The, the header from Danny was an, a comfortable high, um, but still, you know, it, it was still an impressive save. But he's, he's, a, he's a top, top goalkeeper, and I think he could play at a very high level in the UK um, if he if he chose to do so. As regards the two centre halves, James Kerry and, and Luke Campbell are they're just they're now very experienced and are probably not quite as athletically gifted as they were, or you know, they're not as quick as they were. But they manage the spaces on the pitch very well. They make good decisions. They're quite calm defensively and, and aerially. They're still very strong. Um, I'm not sure where they would rank in, in all time. You'd have to give them both, you know, have them somewhere near the top because they, um, they've won a lot of Marathis. As you say, the record um, speaks for itself in, in recent years and, and they've been a big part of that. Um, if you compare them to maybe Stuart Andre, I think Stuart Andre probably the best defender that I've seen um, in, in recent years and Ricky Muddyman was a, was a great defender 20-30 years ago um, but yeah the, the, the three of them are they form a pretty pretty strong spine and a pretty strong defensive base upon which to, 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 to get results when you're not necessarily the best of the two teams when it comes to technical and, and um, attacking prowess. Ewan van der Vliet is one of those characters, and I, and I use the word with inverted commas around it, uh, who seems to absolutely relish the Marathi atmosphere. You know, the more Guernsey fans behind the goal giving him stick, the happier he is. Uh, and as a result, gets even greater joy out of, uh, you know, repelling us time and time again. Um, I thought the centre-backs were a wee bit rocky in the first half. The fact that um, Danny was unsettling them a little bit, uh, but they certainly came to the fore when we started bombing it long in the last 20 minutes. And you could just see Luke Campbell in particular relishing the opportunity just to uh, rise and head balls away uh, time and time again. Uh, so, yeah, you know, but, you know, at least you say, Tony, their record uh, is almost impregnable and, uh, and fair play to them. Yeah, Kerry and Campbell just seem to me to do things with such little fuss, um, un, um, yeah, unfussy players. Um, and as you say, with that experience as well, 
yeah, combined with the the kind of the, the connection they've clearly got as centre backs, um, yeah, ma- makes life very difficult for Guernsey's attackers. And you know, we had some great attacking talent on the field. There was you know lots of options for Tony Vance going into Saturday. Um, in the end, he went with Allen, Govine, and Hale as that sort of. Yeah, attacking three um, with Ben Ace, who's got a lot of attacking talent as well um, in the midfield. I thought our setup. I mean, I, I had expected the eleven who played. I had expected them to play, but I couldn't work out in my own mind how they were going to shape up on the pitch. Really, I didn't want to see Charlton play wide, to be honest. Uh, and uh, but what we ended up with was a totally interchangeable four. It was uh, in midfield. It was like, you know, uh, Holland 1974 total <laughs> football. Um, you know, you'd have Tom Jackson, normally the holding midfielder being you know, the furthest forward of the of the midfield quartet. Uh, Kesman was everywhere. Charlton, you know, uh, well, you know, man of the match behind uh, Van der Vliet, really, for, for me. And, you know, must have set up Three or four, well, probably all our greatest chances were all came uh, through him. Uh, ben AC, you know, impressed as well. You know, they that midfield quartet I thought were, were terrific and helped to you know give us the dominance in the game that um, that we wanted. But you just couldn't you know couldn't find the end product because we have played a forward-thinking brand of football for a number of years now, both with Guernsey FC, uh, you know, and and sort of carrying that sort of DNA, if you like, into the the island side. But Kev, do you think? Is there an argument that, that it's something to get back to basics on Marathi Day when you look at how Jersey were going to line up, perhaps with a slightly more more muted sort of range of attacking talent on show that we should, you know, that perhaps Domiome should have played and, and should have just been sort of getting in the mix and, and, and sort of chucking his body around? Yeah, I think there's, there's an argument to say that, but that, that's with the benefit of hindsight. I thought Tony picked a really good team. I, I, I would have I would have picked something similar um, with, the, with the players at, at, at uh, Tony's disposal. Um, I think you had to go out there and and try and be expansive um, and 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 match up your attacking players against you know try and get them in one v one situations um, and, and get them running at at, um, at Jersey's defenders because that that for me is is where you cause problems. I, I thought Charlton Govan was the best outfield player on the pitch comfortably. Um, his quality shone through. There were three or four moments of real quality from him. Obviously, the pass for for Ross. With Ross's run across from out to in against the grain was just superbly timed, a combination of the two of them. Um, and that was that's the type of quality that Jersey didn't have in their team. Um, so when you look at the structure of the team, you know, James makes a really good point. You know, to, there, there was a real total football kind of aspect to it. And there were times, I think, if you if you watch back the first half, I, I, I'd like to watch it back, but I, I remember Tom Jackson getting, getting ahead of the ball, a long way ahead of the ball. Uh, and at one point, I think it was actually Ross who made a, a run that tracked back into deep central midfield area just to stop a counter-attack. And they did They did look, the one avenue I thought Jersey had a little bit of joy with in the first half was was um, when the ball broke down in front of our back four when we were trying to play out or, or, or at the turnover of possession. And, and that's just... That's a, that's that that's highlights the way that Tony set the team up is that he take he takes some risk in certain areas of the pitch, doesn't mind you know backing his defenders to to deal with with you know and repel any attacks that might might uh, occur when when it breaks down when you're trying to play and yeah I, I thought he set up with a really good a good team I think with the benefit of hindsight um, there's lots of managers over the years who who've set up to to keep it tight for long periods of time um, knowing that. Once you get into the last 15, 20 minutes of the game, you've got players that could, can make a difference and, and, and could win you a game. But uh, for me, Tony got it got it right. I think he got his team selection so right. That's uh, I think he got his team selection right. Sorry, 
Uh, and I think if you if you'd have gone any other way, you'd have played into Jersey's hands, as you saw in the last twenty minutes. I think if Dom had played all game, um, I think Luke Campbell and, and James Kelly would have would have dealt with that reasonably well. I mean, Dom, Dom's probably not the player he was, you know, seven or eight, ten years ago. Um, still very experienced. I think you can play off and around him. Um, but I think it would have been. It, it, I, I'm not sure that that would have changed the, the, the result and given us more of a chance of winning. The problem was, however, that it did backfire in some respects the way it transpired because when you concede a goal with with 20 minutes to go in the game and you've got most of your attacking, you know, your your attacking live threats on the pitch, the only options were Dom and Will Fazakali, who who were both very good players. I, I actually really like Will Fazakali's kind of size and the way he uses his body I think he's, he brings something to Guernsey football that um, I've not seen very much in the last 20 or 30 years and, and he did have a, you know, a small impact he hit, the, he, he hit the bar obviously with a great header but um, the bottom line was if you if, if you had the benefit of hindsight perhaps you would choose to, to keep it tight for 70 minutes and then bring on um, a Ben Acey or a, Dan, uh, a Danny Hale or, or someone to run at, at tiring defenders um, with the ball in down the sides and, and that's that's what Jake Prince did and um, I think that was the one change in the game tactically that made the difference I, I think he stretched our defence uh, down the sides and in behind where they, you, as defenders you don't want to be, be isolated 1v1 in those areas and um, the, the run that, he, that Jake Prince made in the lead up to the goal um, was probably the first time that we got we got done down the side. So uh, yeah, it, it, tactically, I thought Tony got it right. Um, I think it's it's pretty harsh because if we'd have taken our chances, it could have been two three nil. Uh, as it was, they kept it tight, and, and we didn't have a great deal off the bench um, that was going to you know that, that, that they weren't going to be able to deal with. Yeah, Tony said to me basically he set up his team you know, to go out and win the game uh, and not to play that uh, Brian Little, uh, Ron Harris, keep it tight for 80 minutes and nick one. Uh, you know, and that, that, that's that's the game that's been going on for yeah. far too long in, in Marathi's and that's what I was kind of railing against in the, in the past week or so. Um, what you don't what I'm fed up of seeing in, in Marathi's is, is that I mean, people were describing this game as cagey. It wasn't cagey. Not the way that we played it. It wasn't. You know, we went for it. The fact that we didn't um, kill Jersey off when we had the chance is frustrating. But you know, Jersey might have been cagey. We weren't cagey. I thought we went for it, and you know, that's you know, live you know, live by the sword, die by the sword, and, and that's the risk that Tony took. But I think he was absolutely right to do it. You know, and he made the game a spectacle as a, as a result. Yeah, I think in modern football, um, people don't give enough credit to the quality of and the organisation of defensive units these days. There was an awful lot of really, really good work, organised work, winning the ball back in the middle and, and higher up the pitch from both teams. And and I think because defences in modern football are, are so tactically aware and so well drilled, um, it makes games, you know, even when you've got you know, a prevalence of really good attacking quality technical players, um, it can sometimes make games look tight and and cagey and and that that's not it's just a it's just a hallmark of the game these days you know if you watch man city play and they they'll knock the ball around for fun but they can't they can't get in behind teams where that that, that have really well organized defensive units where you've got all 11 players there was you know, gone are the days where you've got two or three luxury players up top who don't do any work um, and, and, and it's, it's hard to play against well-drilled, organised teams. And, and they weren't gifted technically, in my opinion, on, on Saturday jersey, but they were well-organised and they were dogged. 
um, and they stuck to their task really, really well. And you have to give them credit for that. Yeah, Kev, you, I suppose you're talking about that you know, Premier League phenomenon now where teams in the bottom third win, occasionally win games on 20% possession and things like that. Yeah, I, I don't. Think, I don't think it's. I, I mean, but, but that's always been the case. From, from you know that that, that that has always been there. Um, but I think it's just the organisation and the fitness levels of players these days. You know, you, you don't have time on the ball um, in in the middle area of the pitch as you used to. You know, people, I remember Andy Barker in in, in Marathi's, and whilst for the first 15, 20 minutes he'd be getting kicked up in the air, or someone would be trying to kick him up in the air. As the game went on, he seemed to have an awful lot more time, and, and you know that, that in those days players just weren't as fit physically. They, 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 you know, there was as much, if not more, passion um, uh, sometimes shown on the pitch. But but the time and space that, that good players can create, even on Marathi Day, is so difficult these days. You know, the likes of Zico Black and, um, like I say, Andy Barker back in the day. You know that that. that those players don't, you know, these days you just don't get the time on the, on, on the ball because centre forwards uh, are hunting you down and defending as intelligently as some of the best defenders, and that's that, that's not a, you know, that, that's for me is 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 something that it's about the structure and the organisation, and, and again, you know, you have, you've got to give Cass some some credit because he set them up to make to, to be hard to play against, and, and we played we played some really good football, but the, the key areas of the pitch we didn't, you know, we created good chances we didn't take them uh they hung in there and you know it, it, it's yeah it, it, like, like i say the reflection the for me is that sometimes marathi's you know i, I think marathi's aren't going to get any more open let's put it that way because it's easier to coach a defensive unit with limited players than it is to coach an attacking team to open teams up and just on that attacking front as we said charlton govine impressed a lot of people um many people's man of the match potentially on saturday you know it was fabulous to see Ross Allen back in Emirati after a few years, but but he's not getting any younger. He might have one or two, or maybe more. Maybe he'll go on for for longer. Um, given Charlton's ability, given his age and and fitness permitting, is he the sort of player that that Guernsey football at an island level needs to to find a way to get the very best out of on Emirati days? And um, you know, if we're to turn around this record in the next couple of years, yeah, I think uh, I mean it's very difficult to replicate and, and to produce players of of, of his talent. Um, of, of both Charlton and, and Ross's, for example, but yeah, I mean, look, Marathi Day. If, if you if you reflect on on it, there's there's two things really. There's a technical ability, but there's also the the experience and um, that that wherewithal to make good decisions in in, in the heat of battle. And people talk about playing with um, you know with fire with fire and ice and you need to have you know that 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 cold um kind of moment where moment of understanding when the, the heat is really on and we didn't have that the other day so it's a combination in what, for me tony of producing i think guernsey's producing some wonderful players i'm so proud as a, as a guernseyman to see the, the the quality of players and, and to see the young players who are doing so well in england now but and, and i've got every confidence that there are more coming through the key, really, with this team is the likes of Charlton, the likes of Ben AC. Uh, obviously, you know Ben will be gone, and, and you know, let's say Tom Jackson and the other player, Danny Hale, for example. They play in, in in more games like that when they're a little bit older. I think they'll probably make better decisions as they get as as the game progresses. Um, and and uh, you know, I, Tony Vance is people talk about him as a coach, and he's, he's probably you know, the best coach who's ever worked in Marathi football, in my opinion. Um, you, I think he has to be, uh, but as a player, he wanted to get on the ball in Marathi's when he came, whether he came on the bench, off the bench, or, or he, he started. 
and he had, you know, he, he wasn't necessarily physically the bravest player. You know, you'd sometimes see his, see his head pop down in, in the tortoise shell when the headers were flying around, but he wanted to get on the ball and have that bravery. And in the key moments, he made things happen and he changed games. And to, to do that in Marathi football, you, you don't just need technical ability, you need to have the mentality to do it. Jim, I think you mentioned in your report not as many Guernsey supporters in, in Springfield as, as perhaps there have been in the past. Um, do you think that was a case of, of people being put off by the boat time changes, the, the, the prospect of perhaps some overzealous policing um, or a sort of combination of a few things? I think it must have been. Um, the boat wasn't full on uh, on Saturday morning. The crowd, you know, not in the cage or behind the cage now, but behind the goal in the traditional Guernsey spot was the smallest I've ever seen. Um, and although we filled our half of the grandstand or, you know, section of the grandstand, um, I think the crowd was only about 1,600, 1,700, you know, which is kind of woeful for a Marathi, really. Um, I su- yeah, I suspect that the whole combination of, of what was was going on uh, put a few people off, uh, undoubtedly. And, of course, we kicked off 10 minutes late because the boat got in 10 minutes late at 12.40, uh, and I'm sure that every Guernsey fan, apart from me, uh, decided to make a diversion either to the pub or McDonald's on the way for, for a quick one. Uh, and we have to be super quick, wasn't it? And I don't think people were quite quick enough. So, you know, um, half our fans weren't in the ground at uh, two, five to two, two o'clock. Because, <laughs> yeah, every Channel Island football fan, I'm sure, will have been absolutely thrilled to see the Marathi back this weekend. But are there any concerns that the quality of the spectacle in the years leading up to the pandemic has actually put a few people off? And that, you know, what you said before in terms or before kickoff in terms terms of wanting goals and wanting um, you know a bit more of a thrilling uh, game to enjoy is actually what the fixture needs to, to revitalize it a bit uh, that, that's that's really hard to say I mean I, th- I think you know that I've got to say I thought on Saturday the occasion was was really good uh, but also you know despite everything I quite like Springfield I think it's got you know a, a great stand and it's it's a you know lovely footballing venue um, you know and I think it kind of can bring the best out of of the occasion in a way that perhaps uh, the Garen stand would, would struggle a little bit hopefully when the GFA new headquarters at Victoria Avenue is, is up and running and uh, and we're hosting games from there in in the, in the relatively near future we can uh, you know kind of replicate that occasion as well but also the, the advantage for Guernsey on a, on a home Marathi is our crowd is fantastic and Dave Kennedy the Jersey FA chief executive said to me on Saturday when he was Jersey manager he t- took a team to the track and was kind of gobsmacked really at the passion the amount of Guernsey fans that were there and the occasion that that, that, that uh, created and he said that was something he you know in going for the job as chief executive something he wanted to replicate on Marathi Day in Jersey so you know clearly we've still we hold all the cards supporter wise we just need to transfer that onto the pitch at some point yeah and that home return isn't too far away of course next year Guernsey will be hosting just before um, a home island games I suppose the big question is with Tony Vance and, and Fowl sort of stepping in on an interim basis this year, you know, wh- where does Guernsey go in terms of the coaching, the managerial direction? Uh, if, if I was uh, entitled to, to a shout on that, I'd be asking Tony to, uh, to carry on for at least uh, another 14 months. As Kevin says, his track record and his knowledge, you know, with due respect to every other coach in the game, surely with most players playing GFC week in, week out, 
putting somebody else in to, to, to do a short-term job with limited access to the players is, you know, they're almost setting them, setting them up to fail. Uh, and, you know, for the players as well, you know, good players nowadays want, want, the, best, uh, want the best coaching. And it's going to be very hard for anybody to come in and, and do a job that is different and better than, than what Tony's delivering. And, and I would say, you know, I would back what he did uh, at the weekend. And I would also now say, look, there's, there's the opportunity. Take us to the Marathi, take us to the Ireland Games, and then we'll have to look at it again. I mean, Tony can't go on forever. That's, uh, that's the challenge for Guernsey football, both for Marathi and GFC. But for the next 14 months, he's my guy. Kev, do you agree with that? Yeah, I do largely. Um, I mean, I, I, I 100% agree that I think Tony's the right man probably for next year. Um, with Fal, the pair of them are... Um, hugely hugely respected by the players and that, that's a massive thing um, I think the time in logistics and the amount of time you get to spend on the training ground with the players is it's, it's very difficult to, um, to for anyone else to go in there and have influence um, so I think that's the best thing I, I am frustrated with this position because nothing's changed in 10 years um, in my opinion in as much as uh, there, there aren't there aren't other coaches coming through who are vying for this position and, and, and who, you know, are shouting out with with, with clear um, credentials, and, and that's disappointing to me. Um, I know the likes of Gus Mackay, for example, um, and, and Stuart Moyles are, are, are coming through, and, and I think the amount of time that Stuart Moyles spends with the players, um, I would hope that there's there's potential for him to step in in the future. But I, I, I think I'd probably be right be right in saying that maybe he's not quite there yet, um, and I'm not sure whether Gus w- would want it. Um, there, there are other managers in, in, in GFA football who, if 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 they want to become Marathi managers, um, I want I really want the Guernsey footballing establishment to, to to check to find out to do you know to, to almost you know have some discussions with people about long term contingency planning um, because nothing's changed in, in ten years and, and that's one of the biggest frustrations I've got. It's not that I, I, I think Tony and, and Fala are great because I, I absolutely do and I. I've said many times, Vancey would be one of the, you know, he, he could go to a very high level in the UK. He's an outstanding football tactician. Um, he's hugely respected. And, and that Guernsey camp on Saturday was was as one and, and always is with them them at the helm. And that means a lot. And, and I don't think anyone can ever um, can ever criticise um, Tony and Fowles' commitment to Guernsey sport and their feeling for the island. Um, that's that's a cheap shot that sometimes gets thrown that they're not bothered about you know Guernsey you know because they're more bothered about Guernsey FC that you won't find two more passionate Guernsey men. But long term planning for the island, you know, I, I, I'm I'm disappointed that there aren't more people coming through. The coach education is there, the knowledge is there, the investment in time. It's a cultural thing, um, and it's and it's a, it's a natural um, uh, consequence of the of the Guernsey FC juggernaut um, having become such a strong part of Guernsey football, such a leading part of Guernsey football. But I think more needs to be done by everyone. I mean by everyone, by the coaches who aspire to be up there, by the authorities, by Guernsey FC themselves. I think I I really want to see the next generation of Guernsey coaches coming through because we've got some great youth development coaches um, at at the bottom end. The the fruits of their labour are very clear for everyone to see. But for um, for, for us to, to, to have a focus on getting results on Marathi Day on Island Games on um, on Guernsey FC in the future potentially um, and, and on Inter Islands you know um, cup competitions you know Leon and, and JP and, and everyone at Saints have done an amazing job this year there 
Um, and, and I want to find out if these people want to take it to the next stage. And if they do, then I, you know the, the island and the football establishment needs to support them to do that. So I feel really, really strongly about that, as you can probably tell. Yeah, I think it's definitely a talking point to pick up on again. I'm just You mentioned the, the youth development. I want to just ask you about that as well. But given the setup in Guernsey football now and Guernsey FC and, and as yeah, the juggernaut, as you put it, you know, there is an opportunity, not just for us as an island and as a football community to produce great young players to go off and play at high levels and Alex Scott, etc. But presumably there's there's the opportunity now to, to as for, for young aspiring coaches to do the same. And, you know, we haven't probably seen that for for some while, I don't know, in my lifetime. I saw some criticism on social media, and so take from that what you will, that about you know, the Guernsey FA coaching setup is too incestuous, and if you're not in-house, you, you, you don't get a sniff. And, of course, you know, the people that um, Kevin has just spoken about are all absolutely in the system. Having said that, you know, I don't think that's the wrong thing, but I think if people are aspiring to, you know, to get involved at, at, you know, at some kind of senior representative level, they have to get in as, as well. You know, you've got to make your intentions clear. It's no good, you know, just standing on the sidelines and kind of uh, complaining about it. Um, of course, you know, nowadays coaches have got a variety of of options to, to pursue to, to get the maximum, you know, for them and and for, for them to feel they're making the maximum contribution to their uh, to their players. And that might mean that people, you know, really good coaches want to specialise at minis want to specialize at under 18s um you know some want to go into the prio uh you know whereas perhaps if that was the be all and end all you know that's no longer the case some might want to you know observe under 16 island training uh gfc training you know it's a massive range of options now but i, I think i agree with kevin you know there is a lot of talent and it would be worth flushing that out in some way just to see who's interested in in, in going up a level it, it can be very you know the, the, certainly the job of a prio manager is incredibly intense without necessarily the chance to do magic things on on the training field when you know when you're trying to get numbers there twice a week you know, and, and a game and you know and maybe you're involved in the jackson as well and, and you know, all that kind of thing you know it's it can become too overbearing and you lose your focus on what you really want to achieve with a group of players and indeed will you get all the players you want to work with to your training sessions you know so there's a, a lot to there's a big discussion to be had there absolutely yeah i mean just another point just to just to build on what james said there Development coaching and managing football teams are two different things. And I, I see Guernsey being blessed with a lot of good development coaches and a lot more coaches coming through who understand how young players learn and how to create environments for players to learn. And I, and I love that. And I think that I think we're benefiting from that hugely. The presence that you need to lead a senior team, the presence that you need to communicate with authority, the presence that you need to have tactical understanding and, and the wherewithal to be able to, to change games in-game and prepare for games thoroughly, is it's a big step um, between the two. And, and very few people do both. Uh, and the, the island doesn't seem to have the characters that fit that mould at the moment, or, or certainly a plethora of those types of characters. And, you know, you would look at the playing the, the players who've been prominent players in previous in recent years and start to, start to think that perhaps... You know, you might look at that pool of people, and, and there might be one or two candidates who could come out of that. 
Um, but it's it's a really difficult environment to do that in. If you're in the UK, you can go and run. You know, you, you can you can go and be a, a manager at a you know even a Sunday Sunday level side. There's a lot of you know Chris Wilder's done some some work work with Sunday sides um, in previous years and, and look where he is now. Um, and you know the opportunities to to, to manage um, and to, to get that that experience to become that profile of person is, is very difficult. Jersey always seems to have had an influx of you know. Uh, jocks and scousers who um, who seem to add um, a little bit more um, to to that pool, whereas I think Guernsey hasn't had for for a number of years. And maybe it's just a reflection on society. But I'm really pleased about the development of coaching in the island. I'm not so pleased about the development of characters who can progress Guernsey football to get results at the top level. Yeah, on that development side, Kev, we're obviously producing some really good young players at the moment. Um, obviously, a lot has been talked about. Alex Scott, Benesi, um we've got a couple of new faces in that Marathi squad as well. Um, Jake Lowe and Jacob Fales, who, who've made a big impact this season. And it d- doesn't seem to be that we're just producing good young players, but we're producing good people as well with the right attitude to succeed, uh, which, which is really important. I agree. I, agree. I mean, I, I'm obviously not as close to, to the characters and I don't know some of them personally. Um, I, I am in touch with Jacob and um, I, I have to say I'm, I'm super impressed with uh, I was really impressed with his performance I thought that, you know, he had a real real good battle both him and Doddy did extremely well uh, up against a guy who was playing Conference North football for a while last year so he's no mug um, It was something well, of a raw rumble at times though wasn't it Kev? <laughs> It, it was, it was, but yeah, yeah. I mean, this Marathi day, right? There's, there's nothing wrong with a little bit of rough and tumble on Marathi day. And if you, if you, you know, for, for me, you, you have to make some physical statements. You have to stand your ground. You have to make players bounces. It's probably something that I, I, I a term that I use sometimes. And, that, and that's not, not about you know anything untoward. That's just about um, winning, winning the mental battle, winning, winning the physical battle, and, and earning the right to play. And when, when there's a ball there to be won on Marathi day, if, if you don't have players who are able to, to um, you know, to, to to dominate and to to compete, um, you know, toe to toe, and and look them in the eye and say they're going to be there all day long. It's going to be a difficult game for you to win. Um, and Jacob certainly, uh, and and Doddy, obviously, I mean, two really really tough lads. Um, who you know, Doddy for me is, is just just an outstanding defender. It's, it's, it, it, you know, he has all of the attributes we talked about with with Luke Campbell and, and James Kerry before. Um, and I think he's also a, a super a superb partner for, for Jacob who is developing into a fine a really really fine centre half and again someone who could probably play at a much higher level as as he develops um, and I thought Jake Lowe did, did superbly and I'm, I'm really impressed with the way to, to your point about the characters that we're producing I'm, I'm so impressed with the way that the likes of, of Alex and um, and Ben speak on, on um, when they they do media work. Maya has always been incredibly impressive on that front, and 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 I see them being superb examples as human beings. Because whilst I want I want players to be to have that edge on a football pitch, I, I also think it's so important for them to be good role models, to be good human beings. And um, yeah, I, you know, I saw I saw Jake Lowe play on on, on Saturday, and, and as a Saints man. And, you know, I, I'm so pleased to see him, um, and, he, and, he, and he did exceptionally well. He, he can be very proud of his performance, um, and I think there's a lot more to come. And, and you, you look at Jack Cannon on the other side; he's at the other end of his Marathi career, and, and there's things that I'm sure Jake will, will be able to learn from, from you know, playing against a player like Jack Cannon, um, that can only only benefit him in the long term. Um, but yeah, re- really impressed with the young players coming through, and, and like you say, the human beings that, that, that the system is producing. 
Yeah, fantastic stuff. Um, Kev, thanks so much for your time. We're going to move on to the women's Marathi uh, next, but obviously you didn't see that. So we'll, uh, we'll let you go. Um, wish you all the best and, and hopefully we we'll, can have a, a good catch up again uh, when you get over here at some point. Always, always happy to. You, you, you know I can talk for, talk for Guernsey or talk for England, so no problem. Yeah, brilliant stuff. All the best. Thanks, Tony. Cheers, James. Take care. Bye. On to Sunday then and the return of the women's Marathi. A great turnout um, by the look of things at Springfield as well and another victory for Jersey in that one. 5-0 um, with the game having been 0-0 at halftime. Guernsey losing um, their keeper to injury. Um, as I say, the first women's Marathi um, for a number of years since 2016. So fantastic to see it back. Um, well, at full time, um, Jim caught up with Richard to find out what he made of what he saw on Sunday. All right, halftime, 0-0. We're in a game, you know. Um, we lose our keeper. We run out of steam a bit towards the end. It wasn't a 5-0 game. It was a very much closer game than that. And I thought we had the best chances in the first half. Quite a lot of the best chances in the second half until, you know, you put somebody in who's not a full-time goalkeeper and they do their best. But when the keeper's going to come out and take some of those balls off the strikers like a normal keeper would have done, you know, Ollie wasn't quite there. But she gave everything. She couldn't possibly be questioned for any single goal at all. Oh, they're amazing. What a brilliant bunch of ladies. And to be so in the game at half-time, you know, give us a few more games, we'll be right on them. Um, Scarlett, uh, Keneally, our right-back, and Sydney in midfield, gave absolutely everything, as did, you know, Katie Watson. was showing all of her experience. She gave absolutely everything until she had no legs left whatsoever. Richard Sutton speaking to you there, Jim. Um, yeah, 5-0 to Jersey. 0-0 at half-time, though, um, so it's got to go down as progress, hasn't it? Uh, so Richard says it wasn't a 5-0 game. Uh, I'd, I'd agree with him. I mean, clearly, we, we realistically, we had about one chance in the game. Um, but you know, this this match was always a, uh, another step on a, on a longer journey. Uh, you know, there's absolutely no way that a Guernsey team who hasn't played an 11-a-side match since February 2020 could step up and expect to, you know, to expect to get a result here. So nil-nil at halftime was an absolute triumph. Um, you know, the loss of Emma, you know, we lost our goalkeeper due to injury in 2016 and it happened again. Uh, Emma Carapel going off with a bad knee injury. It you know, was disastrous in a way, but of course, in another way, it basically says, not that the result was, was null and void, but it doesn't really position where we are in, in, in relation to, to that Jersey team because... I'm sure that had Emma stayed on the pitch, it wouldn't have ended up uh, 5-0. I mean, clearly Jersey did all the attacking in the first half and well, most of it in the first half and, and all of it in the second half. But we were resilient. You know, the fact that we you know, were able to, you know, to keep them at bay for, for long periods and certainly when we got the ball in midfield and actually played forward on the occasions when we got into their half, we looked pretty threatening as well. And, and I think that is a massive bonus from from where we were you know that now the, the work really starts if you like for Richard he's now got a position opportunity to benchmark uh, his squad against you know one of the better teams that realistically we can't hope to compete with at our kind of island games level and say right I you know clearly I need my team to be fitter um, I need a broader squad I need more goalkeepers um I, you know, we've got to play more 11 aside games we've got to play longer we've got to play more frequently uh, you know and but there's there is the basis of a of a decent unit that is going to make some progress in the island games and really that is what all the Guernsey FA 
you know, long-term development of, of women and girls game has been engineered around up to this point. And so I think actually we're in a better position than one might think. Any performances that you can really highlight? I mean, it sounded like it was a fantastic team effort right to the whistle. Well, bizarrely, um, Jersey only had two players from the 2016 Marathi in their side. We had four and two women who played previously but didn't play in 2016. So half our team were, were already capped. Uh, but we had four under-18s in that side all of whom, you know, shone on the day. Um, I think, you know, Sydney Schreimeyer um, in centre midfield was absolutely terrific. Uh, and, you know, she's uh, training with Brighton, you know, at school in the UK and training with Brighton Academy. And, you know, I, I, you know, I don't know where, uh, where Sydney's end goal is, but certainly she impressed, you know, she was playing... Um, age group men or boys football up until she left the island and she really impressed uh, me yesterday uh, and I'd like to hope that you know that she could be one of the driving forces in, in, in taking us forward but there are other players as well who've who've got something uh, and it's just a matter of you know getting them playing more often and, and trying to maximize that yeah where do we find those games I mean how do you kind of uh, arrange the program to 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 give this squad the experience they need that that's the challenge but that is you know that is much needed if, if that games program doesn't happen then the you know the women's game doesn't go doesn't go further forward sadly um it, but i i think you know, realistically with travel restraint or constraints nowadays we're perhaps looking to you know at weekenders in the uk uh, for me it would be important for the group to play games back to back and find that you know, strength and resilience and fitness that's going to you know get them through that kind of island game schedule where you're going to play maybe four games in five days. You know, you need to be playing more back to back, not once a fortnight. And we talked about the occasion of the the men's Vars final on Saturday. Uh, a big crowd, over six hundred on Sunday at Springfield. Did it feel like um, did it feel like a kind of a special fixture again? It really did. Um, and I think the fact that that Guernsey put up such a good show was very much part of that. Um, you know, the Jersey uh, women at the, the full time did their kind of Island Games celebration, all joining hands and running towards the grandstand. Yeah, that was kind of a nice moment for them as well. But I think in many ways it was a celebration that the game was back on, not not that one side had lauded it o- over over the other. Um, you know, it was good crowd. Uh, got, crowd got engaged as well. There were, you know, some quite uh, energised moments uh, from the grandstand. Um, and actually, you know, I ought to mention this game was refereed by a neutral for the first time. Um, so Sophie Dennington is a um, UK women's championship referee. Uh, and, you know, it was a big game for her coming over. Uh, and I think she elevated the standard of the whole thing a little bit as well and uh, you know I think and also had a fantastic game and I think that was uh, that the whole thing was a really positive afternoon that's really interesting because the women's time on Saturday here um, was refereed or officiated by a uh, woman as well so um, yeah that's fantastic to see pandemic notwithstanding the fact that the game hadn't been on for a couple of years um, it felt like a bit of a black hole in, in Channel Island sport because given as we talked about the preview given the progress of the women's game nationally internationally um, it just has to be there, doesn't it? And the, and the focus has to be on 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 just you know, growing it to the point where you know it is a big occasion that that, that lots of people want to go to be a part of and to go and watch. Yeah, this game now deserves uh, more respect than it's had in in previous years. However, to be you know interinsular sport in, in Guernsey Jersey is not always a level playing field. Uh, you know, various sports Guernsey's better, Jersey's better. You know, and and some cases. 
really better to the point that it's not really a contest. But it's kind of not just about the, the contest on the pitch. There's also the occasion as well. Now, clearly, we want to be competitive and we've got a long way to go to, to get more competitive. But, you know, Sunday was, was a start. But I think the, you know, even if, if we can't get near Jersey for a few years, the importance of making the occasion as, as good as it can be and the players stepping up for that you know, is, is very important. And I'm sure, I think Jersey, you know, put on two good shows at the weekend in terms of events. Uh, and uh, I expect that to be replicated from now on. And just finally, before we wrap up, we don't want to talk about it and dwell on it too much because that women's Marathi result completed the red wash uh, this year. There'll be some people kind of crowing and a bit of hand-wringing going on about the state of Guernsey football and whatnot. You know, having seen a good number of the matches, if not all of them, I think, um, there hasn't been a huge amount between the sides in, the, in quite a few of those age group games. Certainly the, the senior men's Marathi, the under-21s, um, the under-18s, uh, a couple of them are w- more one-sided. But do you think the sort of oppressions of Guernsey football should be losing a bit of sleep uh, over this? Or is it a case of, you know, just one of those things? I don't think we should lose sleep, but I don't think we should also just you know, shrug our shoulders and say it's one of those things. I think we, you know, there's an opportunity now to, and as Kevin was saying about the coaching structure of the men's game, I'm not saying that any... You know, calling for any coach's head at all but but this is an opportunity to look again and say look actually do we think we're doing anything really right do we think we're doing anything that we could do better um and and i think it's, it's a good opportunity for a review um you know as you said I, you know i think history shows 15s and 16s it, it's difficult uh for guernsey when you move into the position where effectively you're just playing a first team against a first team, irrespective of population, which effectively you are doing in certainly in under-21s and in senior 18s to a slightly lesser extent. We are really competitive. and But the other thing we need to do, of course, is turn being competitive into actually winning games. Um, now, yeah, there's an element of that streetwise nature, but you know we've just got to find some way to be little bit stronger, a little bit more resilient, a little bit better uh, and yeah, and turn those results uh, on on their head. I certainly don't think we're in a terrible position at all, but you know you, you want you don't want to see this continue. you know you want to uh, you want to reverse some of these results starting next year. Absolutely yeah, it can't come uh, quickly enough. Uh, well, let's leave it there. We'll have one more pod for you next week just to kind of wrap up the season as a whole because we've got a couple more, three more trophies to be handed out. Here in Guernsey on Wednesday night, the Guernsey FA Cup final north taking on Rovers at Blanche Pierre Lane. A 7.30 kickoff. Jim, you'll be there for that one. Hopefully I will be too. Um, and over in Jersey, uh, Tuesday night, uh, I don't know if those Saints players have stayed over there. Um, but Saints, I think I should have stayed. <laughs> um, Saints taking on St. Peter in the Weeway final that one at Springfield um, a half seven kickoff uh, and then there's the Jeremy final as well um, unfortunately an all Jersey affair this year St Peter again in action this time against St Clement that one on the 1st of June so not till next midweek but um, yeah we'll be back uh, next Monday to look back uh, at those um, hand out some pre awards uh, and I, I guess just generally uh, chew the fat over the season as a whole dragging my tired legs onto the pitch one more time so <laughs> cheers Jim um, uh, not the uh, jubilant pod that we hope for but it's been very interesting nonetheless um, if you've enjoyed what you've heard do give the pod a share on social media do follow us as well at GSY Press Sport on Facebook Twitter and Instagram and of course as always pick up a paper six days a week for the very best local football coverage and coverage of Ireland sport as a whole we'll see you next time we